You're now listening to Your Real Money Stories podcast. She told my mom that, look, the situation is really critical. And by then I told her about him puncturing my tires, hiding my keys. So I'm like, I feel stuck. I feel trapped. How am I going to get out of this? What you just heard is an example of domestic abuse. It may not sound like it because there are lots of people in abusive relationships and they generally don't know it, which makes identifying financial abuse even more difficult to identify. It usually occurs when someone's trying to control your ability to acquire, use or maintain economic resources and then they threaten your self-sufficiency and financial independence. And the thing is, one in five British women have experienced financial abuse. It's a huge problem, especially now that we're in a lockdown. It doesn't matter your situation or how much you earn, anyone can experience it. So today we're going to be talking to someone who's experienced it, as well as spotlighting how to spot the signs and signposting you to resources on what to do if you know someone who's been affected. Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we are The Money Money Medics. And we're your hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast where we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. So today we'll be talking about relationships, finance and financial abuse and today is actually going to be a bit of a tough one to talk about, I can't even lie, so it is a bit of a serious conversation. Um, We do have our special guest today, Charlie, and of course that's not her real name, everyone in our podcast is always anonymous, but we'll be referring to her as Charlie Um, and she's going to be telling us about her personal experiences with financial abuse. So before we get into that, Charlie... I just want to say a big thank you for coming onto our show and sharing the story with us. I know it may not have been easy for you to do so, but I just want to say a big thank you for that. That's okay. Thank you for having me, guys. And um, I'm quite honoured and looking forward to sharing my story. And um, I'm hoping it's going to help someone else. Exactly. That's exactly what we're hoping for as well. But um, yeah, let's get straight into it. So tell us a bit about what's happened so you said that you've had an experience with financial abuse when did you realize Mm, okay so I got into a relationship with someone and everything it was all fine when we were like boyfriend and girlfriend and then they proposed and shortly after once we got engaged um they just started to become like financially lazy um like financially manipulative as well um and like just exploiting me um, so I think it was close to um, just shortly after the engagement. Oh, wow. So how long were you guys together before you got engaged? So we were together for two years before we got engaged. And um, wow. so I hadn't seen the signs or anything like that the, within those two years. So like during that time that you were dating, it was like all rosy, no money issues or anything cropped up over those two years? No, not even like nothing like that at all. If anything, he would be the one encouraging me, like I need to learn to save better, you know, that kind of thing. So no, there was none of that. None of what I started to experience as we got engaged. So what happened? So after you guys got engaged, what signs did he start showing? So the, the first thing that I realized is that he lacked a lot of ambition and he was quite lazy. Um, so 
like I'm saying, it only became apparent once we got engaged. Um, so one thing that I realized is I earned um, more money than my ex. So he started to have moments where he could just decide to quit a job. Like maybe he just can't be bothered or he just won't show up at work. And obviously if you don't show up, no explanations, you're losing your job. So he just became quite like, oh, I can't be bothered or oh, I'm not feeling that driven. I want another job. So he was just hopping from one job to another. He could go months without having a job. And I'd literally have to put pressure like, listen, you need a job because I'm, I'm not trying to be with someone who doesn't have a job. So that was one thing. And then obviously because he doesn't have a job, he's now asking me for money. So he became comfortable asking me for money. So it started off as more just, oh, 10 pound. I just need 10 pound for this. Or I need 10 pound for that. Like essential things like fuel or whatever. And then that 10 pound turned into 20 pound. It just racked up to the point that um, by the time I ended the relationship. It was like thousands. I, I can't even equate to how much money I probably gave these 10 pounds, 20 pounds here. What's like the most that he asked you for? And uh, The most he asked me for was like 900 pounds. He said he had some course that he wanted to complete. Uh, but I think I used a bit of wisdom and I was like, okay, well, let me pay for the course. I'll pay with my money rather than transferring it to him. So I paid, but up to this day, I don't think he's taken that course. He hasn't taken the course as far as I know. Wow, that's so, I feel like, I mean, you've only just started the story, but it does actually seem like you were his mum. Like you were just, he was just using you for any, all the things that he should have been responsible for himself. So like in terms of like, he was asking you for money, was there like any other thing that like, he did like did you guys ever go into like business with each other or like I don't know do investments with each other or anything like that so um there was a particular venture that he wanted to go into and I think in total like the startup costs and everything else to get the license in it was about ten thousand pound um so it, it was legit because like I researched everything and like with my job I do with like compliance and things like that so I know how to you know, look into stuff. So I looked into everything or even like just what Eve was saying about kind of being his mom. He brought this thing to me. I was like, oh, can you look into this? Or can you set everything up? I literally set everything up from start to finish. The whole finances. Another thing that he did is he started to also like um, blackmail me. Um, so he was now using a bit of manipulation. So with this business, it was um, £10,000 to go into it. And then he said, oh, we should go 50-50. And then obviously you get your shares, I get mine, you know. So at first I was just like, but this is not something I want to do. This is something you want to do. I've helped you with the paperwork. I've made sure you're compliant. You're going to get your license. I don't need to be involved. Like, And I wasn't really a big risk taker like that. This is not money I was willing to lose. But to him, he was like, oh, but we're going to be married one day. Marriage, you're supposed to build. You don't break you know, and he, he basically was like, look, if you don't help me, I'm out. Like this relationship's not happening because you're not supporting me. He literally said, you know, like, if you're not willing to help me, you're very secure and settled in your career. I'm still trying to find my way. I don't feel fulfilled. This is to help me and this helping me, it's going to help our family. You know, so he played that card with this whole business venture. Yeah, that sounds so manipulative. It's so triggering. And the thing is, we recently watched um, a show not too long ago about um, Dirty John. So there was a, a show whereby um, 
oh, really long story, but I'm just going to talk about this particular part where the woman, the wife, she was a stay-at-home wife, but she really supported the guy to get into a business and um, start his own business and and do so many things that he became really really wealthy Mm. Um, and she supported him a lot within it but then towards the end he was cheating etc he was very manipulative he was a narcissist and they divorced but she got absolutely nothing of the business even though she put in a lot of the work initially. So it's really hard when you get into a business with someone that you're in a relationship with, especially someone that, you know, you think you initially think you can trust, but then realise, oh actually I don't I don't know. So how did how did things end with the business? I mean, did things end well at all? No, not at all. It was a complete mess. So uh we went into it and everything else. We became compliant and then we received a contract and it was a really, really big contract. Um, So in us receiving the contract, we needed extra manpower or we needed someone who's like very specialist in the field we were going into. Um, So with that, we ended up um, a family member they offered, but at the time they just offered. And I don't think anyone expected us like to them, we were just kids. So no one expected such a big contract. So the family, a particular family member from his side of the family was just like, oh, okay, you know what? I'll just help you guys. Once you get settled, you need to find a proper professional. You need to pay them. So we're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I think what started happening is um, this particular family member, um, they started to see the invoices and just see how big everything is. And I think they got, they now wanted to be a part of everything. And then there were certain decisions that they were now making and they're not consulting us. I was still working corporately and something in my heart always told me, keep your full-time job and you help as you can, or you just do with the paperwork, like late in the evening, I'd be catching up with invoicing, things like that. But something just told me to keep my job. And even then my ex at the time, he was pushing for me to leave my job. So we were having these clashes. It was like, no, you need to leave your job. This is your business. You're not fully in this business. But I was actually doing the most important things, which was the paperwork and everything else. So anyway, with this family member, they were no longer consulting us on the day-to-day operation of the business. And then would ask, oh, why did you do that? Why are you doing that? Or with my ex, he wasn't that like, um, he was more practical than like the- um, theory-based. So I was seeing things at an organizational level, you know, a higher level. And I'm like, mm, certain things that you're doing is going to affect the long run. Why are we doing that? Why are we cutting corners? You know, things like that. So she didn't now like the fact that I was questioning why she's making these particular, um, you know, decisions. So she now spoke to my ex and was like, oh, your fiance, she's too influential. Oh, she's going to take everything from you. She's going to take everything from this family. You know, she started having an issue with why I'm questioning. Why, what, what are we doing here? This doesn't make sense. We're going to get in trouble, you know. Um, so in the end, um, she ended up forging his shares and she she took um, all of his shares. So myself as a director, I signed off that, I think she was supposed to get about 10% of the shares. So I had to sign off as one of the directors that yes, I'm happy with this. And then my ex, he was only gonna now have 40% of his shares. What also happened is um, they said, oh no, I've got a really good solicitor. I've got someone who can do with this. They've dealt with a lot of things of mine. So I'm not too sure where the forgery or the fraud, how exactly it happened. 
But all I remember is on Company's House, it was saying there's now a resignation and there's an appointment of a new director. And that's how we found out. My ex, he was the one who resigned. So rather than giving 10% of his shares, he actually gave everything. But this was, it was fraudulent. So he didn't actually intend to resign. Is that right? No, he didn't. He didn't. That's crazy. And I'm sure that's illegal. So did you call the police or anything? So unfortunately, the particular family member, they were so close, like really, really close. It wasn't like a distant cousin or, you know, there was very, very, very close. I just can't say that identity in case anyone who knows my story or if they're ever to hear this, you know, but they were very close family member and I was still quite set on marrying this person. So I just thought, how are the family dynamics? How are they going to work if we potentially take this person to prison? Because it was a legal matter and it was only going to go bad. So I just had to decide, okay, based on the long term, what am I doing? And I just thought, you know what? It's just too much confusion. It's just too much. You know, it's just going to mess up the family dynamics already. Because my family, they were really feeling some type of way about what exactly had happened. And now they're trying to be on their best behavior, but they're they're not happy at all about what happened. So it was difficult, but um, I decided not to call the police or make anything legal. The best I could do was I got back the money I invested. But in terms of like, profit share like dividends anything like that it was completely out the window i think it's, it's always a sticky situation right i think you never want to be held responsible for breaking up a family especially mm. kn- knowing that you're going to be in that family for the next 20 30 years and sometimes you hear these reddit posts about the husband's wife mm-hmm. and the wife's you mean the husband's wife yeah. and then the husband's mum mum the dynamics clashing. you know yeah. clashing and it's like, that's, there's, there are many things that can happen in that dynamic in terms of like, oh, this is how I want the traditional wedding to be, or like, we're going to do this. Then to throw on top about sending someone to prison, prison in the oh family, <laughs> she'd just, she, she just be looking at me, if, that girl, if I catch her. <laughs> but no, I completely understand. I completely understand why you'd not want to, you'd feel uncomfortable pushing ahead with charges because you'd have to, live with yourself you know she'd be looking at you in a very very funny way so after you guys um had the issues with the business did you break it off then i still wanted to give it another try i remember at first i thought maybe the whole family are like ganging up against me or they all had a part to do with this including himself but i realized by the way it affected like his mental health and everything else that he was genuinely broken and he was betrayed and the truth now properly came out because at first I wasn't too sure who to trust so I I felt bad for him and I just thought you know it's not his fault yes as much as that's his family member it's not his fault so why should I break it off with him and so no so we stayed together however a few other things took place one thing in terms of like signs he had really bad credit but it it just never was a big deal to me i never really was that aware of like credit so i always used to have to um take out like mobile phone contracts in his name one thing i didn't know he was now pushing for us to try and go into another business venture or like a like for like but this time solely us no one's getting involved because we've learned our lesson from the first one, but I was just like, no, you know what? I can't afford to lose money like that again. Like this is not something I want to go into, or this is why I didn't want to go into it in the first place. 
So at the time he wasn't too happy with me. And then he just turned around and was like, oh, don't worry, I've got all the funds. I've got everything, I'm ready to go. It was only once we broke up that I received a letter. It was like a, a default letter. So it was like from a recoveries company. Um, and it was just saying that there's a loan of X amount. It was like close to 10,000 pound or so that has been taken out in my name. And I was thinking, no, there isn't. Like you, if you take out 10,000 pound as a loan, it's money you remember. You know you've taken out 10,000 pound. So I was like, what is going on here? So by the time I called, they gave me the dates and they just said, oh, you need to check your experience, check your um that to check your credit file or they gave me a few other platforms I can use but they said look you need to check your credit file because we're just here to collect our money so when I checked my credit file I'm seeing yeah you know but what was funny is that it the address it was linked to his address because I think my car insurance it was cheaper and I used to spend quite a lot of time at their house so sometimes my car would be parked there and they had a garage and everything so that's when I was now putting everything together that I wouldn't take out a loan at their address, but they must have used my car insurance or something as the proof of address. You know, he knows my date of birth. He knows everything about me. So it's so easy for him to take out a loan in my name. But I only found out once we broke up. Did you confront him? I did. So I confronted him and he just laughed and he was like, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. What? Like in a, it was like, like, ha 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 ha, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> Not as like, ha ha ha, like, you know, but it was just more like, just like, like an evil smirk or like, <clears throat> yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Almost like boasting. It was over the phone and then even face to face because it's like we were almost married. So when we were breaking up as much, we were just engaged, but it was like we were trying to like split a lot of things in half. At the time, I was a contractor. He's a contractor. We were like on the same like company, right? So like our accountants need to do our like our end of year taxes. They need to make sure they give us our dividends, you know, things like that. So I couldn't just cut him off. Like we literally, and then there was a time we were sharing a car, you know, things like that. So we were now trying to deal with all of that. So even face to face, I spoke to him and yeah, he was just like, oh, well, you know, you can call the police on me if you want, like you can do whatever you want, you know? Um, even like the mobile contract, he stopped paying for that. And he was just like, oh, it's not my business. You know, it was just crazy. So, I mean, after all of this, I know you guys were together for quite a while. So it can be so hard to um, know when is the right time to break up a relationship or when too much is too much because you've already been through so much. Mm. But what was the final straw? So what made you like, okay, do you know what? I've had enough. This is not the right guy for me. Um, it was just the constant lack of respect. So I just started feeling like, you know, I've gone above and beyond. I've done everything I can to try and, you know, help you and uplift you or, you know, like support your dreams or anything that you want to do. Like I've been your biggest support system, even when like your family have like turned their back towards you. But he was so disrespectful. Like he was just you know, like who'd call me out of my name. By the time I left that relationship, like I just felt battered and bruised, like verbally, you know, like it was very verbally abusive, like the manipulation. I just, I just completely lost myself. I didn't know who I was anymore. Like the assurance and the confidence I had, 
it just went. I think it's like he just wanted to reduce me to his level. He was very insecure. You know, I don't know. Like when we first got together, it was almost like I was like a trophy girlfriend. Like, oh, my girlfriend has this amazing job and she's this. But he started like using that against me in a way. It like became like a double-edged sword. Like I could be at work late when it's like getting close to like the end of the year or I got a promotion and I was just trying to find my way, just winging it. I basically just got the job by the grace of God. So I was just winging it. So I had to stay later. I had to teach myself, you know, I needed to get to the same speed as everyone else. And he would say things like, Oh, you're, you're effing these bankers. You know, that's why you're staying late. You're cheating on me. He would want my work phone because if he calls me on my mobile, he doesn't trust that I'm at work. I just got tired of all of that. So it wasn't even the financial side of things. It was just that I've been through too much. And what am I getting back? Like, this is just, I've had enough. You know, when you first got into the relationship, were you earning more than he was? Or were you, would you say? I was earning much more. I think I'd said it at the beginning. Yeah, I was earning much more. And even at then I was a contractor. So I'm earning like double maybe what he's earning. And then even like for him to become a contractor, I found the job for him. You know, I was like, oh, like just try it out. It doesn't matter if you feel you're not, you don't have enough experience or whatever it is. Just try. You never know. They might turn around and say yes. He kind of got to the same level as me, but again, just not yet there because I had a lot more experience. Yeah. So I guess my question is, because I saw something on Instagram about, actually it wasn't on Instagram, I think it was on Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. It was about saying um, dating people within your same tax bracket or same earning power, whatever. Based on your experience now on a reflection, do you agree? Because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like, without a doubt, as a guy, some sort of insecurity will creep in. You can be the most confident person in the world, but it's like, it's that kind of thing in the back of your head. Okay, is she saying that thing because she earns more than me? <laughs> or is she saying that thing because of something else? And it'll be that niggling thing. And it's like, from your experience now, do you think that had a place? Or do you think even if he was earning more, he would have still behaved the way he did? I think if he was earning more, he still would have behaved the way he did, or it could have been a lot worse because he would maybe be trying to control me, you know, in terms of my money, you know? So for example, you know, like I've seen from like family members, et cetera, where the man has been the breadwinner and maybe the wife has been a stay at home mom. And it's been very difficult for like, you know, these family members of mine to leave that relationship because they're thinking, okay, where do I start? Whereas with me, it was very different. So there was kind of like that empowerment that look, you know what, if I'm ready to go, I can go. So, and I think he didn't like that. If he was the one who was earning more, I think there would have been a lot more control because he still tried to control what I did with my money. He would still try and add his two pence, etc. And imagine if I didn't have that money or for example, in order for me to leave, um, because he was he was so controlling, I literally had to run. Like he went to work in the morning. I had to call in sick because I was always the first one to leave the house. I packed as many things as I can and I didn't look back. And whatever I left, I was leaving and I was not getting it back. It was as simple as that. But the reason why I had to do that is because because I had my own money, I booked an Airbnb. But again, he had my phone passwords and everything else. And I think because maybe I earned more money 
I was like, oh, I'm leaving you. Oh, I've got an Airbnb anyway. I'm going. You can't keep me here. And imagine if he was the breadwinner or he's been, because another thing he'll try and say, oh, you don't need to work anymore. I'm not earning enough for the both of us, you know, things like that. Or why don't you go back to school? So I wouldn't have been in a situation where I can book the Airbnb. But even at that, he just went on my phone and he just canceled the booking. He punctured my tires once when I was ready to go, or he hid my car keys, you know? So he realized that, okay, you know what? She constantly has money because as much as he's trying to block me, I can do something about it. And then we, we shared a business account. He took everything out of there, everything. And I hadn't paid myself. My accountants hadn't paid my salary or like a dividends for that month. So I didn't have anything in my personal account. He literally wiped out the whole business account. So we were living together when all of this was, you know, taking place. So I just think I could have been in a worse situation or he was now constantly trying to see what can I do because what I'm earning my money, I'm comfortable and I have money that I can leave as and when I please. So I can only wonder what about if I had listened to him that, oh, let me stop working, you know, let me take a year out or let me go back to school, like where would I have been, you know, as he was doing all of this. So I do think I would prefer to date within my tax bracket, I would say, because the insecurity, it was, it was a lot. He constantly just had it at the back of his mind that I'm cheating on him or like that he's not good enough. And I never made him feel like he's not good enough. I wouldn't want to date someone in a different tax bracket I've, I've learned my lesson I've really been stung I'm not trying to make that same mistake so in terms of like that um whole situation how did you like get through it mentally and things like that because it must have been crazy tough must have been really tough it was so as you heard like that my crazy escape plan so the moment I now left him um I decided straight away to go into counseling but before I went into counseling, I needed to speak to my mom. So when things were like really at it, their peak, I tried to tell my mom and I'm like, look, I want to leave this relationship. I can't take this anymore. Or sometimes she could just call me. And like I was always seen as the pill of the family or like, you know, I'm quite strong or maybe I've dealt with a lot. But my mom could call and I'll just burst into tears like, oh, I want to come home. I want to come home because I was in Scotland. So I was far from home as it is. Um, and I think he even pushed for me to go to Scotland because I was like, oh, I found a contract in Scotland. What do you think? And now when I think about it, I think he was just trying to isolate me because when all of this was going on, it was just me and him. We didn't know anyone in Scotland. So I had tried to speak to my mom and tell her how bad things were and she wasn't listening to me. So I called her younger sister and I was just like, look, auntie, I'm ready to go. I've had enough. I've tried to tell mom. She, she's not trying to hear it. But I think because I was always covering for him. So she didn't know how bad the situation was. So in her mind, she's thinking, why would you just want to leave? Um, but I told my aunt and then she told my mom that, look, the situation is really critical. And by then I told her about him puncturing my tires, hiding my keys. So I'm like, I feel stuck. I feel trapped. How am I going to get out of this? So we all made a plan together. So that kind of helped. It felt like therapy because I was going through something like this by myself. I had no one to talk to. No one had any idea. This is what I'm going through. Um, so that was the first thing. And then, like I said, from there, 
I went to counseling and that was really amazing for me because to this day now with like my whole chest, I can say I've forgiven him. Like I fully have, I have no bad feelings. I actually wish him all the best, even with what you're saying about the deep rooted issues. I really hope he's going to counseling or he's trying to figure things out, you know? Um, But the difficult thing that I had with counseling was now trying to forgive myself because I was like, how could you be so stupid? Like, how could you let someone do that to you? Like for two years, like how, why did you not leave? But I was more upset with myself. That's what was so difficult for me. So counseling really helped. Um, It really, really helped with that. And then um, another thing, I just had to just wake up financially. I needed to become more of like a financial literate because I didn't know what a credit file was until I got this letter, you know, things like that. So I just started to also build and work on myself um, financially and just trying to understand my credit. How can I better it? Clearing off this loan of his, clearing off um, like the mobile phone bill, just that kind of thing, really. But I think talking to family, opening up, even what I'm doing with yourselves now, that's what really helped. And that's how I got through everything. Now, I can tell that you're on the other side. And even from talking to you earlier, you sound really positive about life in general. And, you know, you've learned a lot from everything, all the experiences that you've been through. I do understand that sometimes when you're in a relationship, there's some things that are so blatant in your face. But then when you're in love, you see everything with rose tinted glasses. So you can't really decipher between what is a red flag, what is a yellow flag, what is a green flag. But for the people that are listening, what are the main things that you feel like people should watch out for in a relationship and the reasons for people to run? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll give some tips in terms of like red flags and also maybe what you could do if you're in a situation like that. Um, so one thing I would say is talk up. Like I was saying, I couldn't believe that I was going through all that by myself. I don't even know how I didn't have a mental breakdown. I'm not too sure up to this day how I'm still standing because something like that, you can't go through something like that by yourself. So if you're in a situation like that, find someone who has your best interest at heart and just pour out your heart to this person. Someone needs to be able to, you know, hold your hand and walk through everything with you. So I would say that's a really big thing as well as counseling. If you feel maybe, okay, someone's going to judge me because that's how I felt. Speak to a stranger, you know, a stranger can't judge you, you know? So I would say find counseling definitely. And so a red flag, someone like that tends to be very erratic. So always watch someone's behavior. They're erratic because for example, he like the whole job thing. I was saying one day he has a job, the next day he doesn't want the job. So someone like that can be very erratic. If they're just their behavior is just erratic, it doesn't make any sense, question it. That's a really big red flag. I should have realized that. Why would someone one day they don't want a job and then it, it just didn't make any sense to me? I, I don't know why I didn't take that serious. Um, so I would say that. And then um, I would also say you know, someone like that is very manipulative as well. So like the examples I used about, oh, we're supposed to build, or I don't want to be with you if you're not going to help me, if you're not going to build me. It's like emotional blackmail. 
Exactly. So look out for that. And then they'll also gaslight you. So by the time I left that relationship, I was made to seem crazy. I was made to seem like I'm the issue. I'm the problem. Like there's something wrong with me. Like I would second guess everything. So someone like that, they'll like deflect or like gaslight you and just make you seem as if, you know, you're the one who has the issues and there's nothing wrong with their behavior. So that's what I would um, also say. That's a red flag. And then also just having things jointly, someone who is too invested in your money, you know, even when we now were contractors, he pushed for us to have the joint business account, but only because I had a business account. I had been contracting for a while. So he now said, oh, but my credit, you know, I'm not going to get a business account. But if you add me as a director on company's house, then we can speak to the business manager at my bank. And then, you know, we, I can start using it. So, and then even with that, he would now check line by line what I'm doing. I wasn't checking what he was doing or I was just like, you know, as a contractor, I was quite on the straight and narrow. So I'm like, look, this is how much you're allowed to take a month. And then, um, et cetera, if you want anything, I'll speak to the accountant first. But I wouldn't check line for line what he was doing, whereas he would question, why are you buying this? Why are you doing that? So I would just say, just be careful with someone who wants like, oh, what's mine is yours. You know, I think that mentality is now more for marriage, you know, like I feel sorry for the person I'm next going to be with because until I'm your wife, what is mine is fully mine. You have no business commenting on anything. So I'll just say, just be careful with that. Like, why are they pushing for a joint account? Why are they pushing for, you know, that, that that's really odd to me now. And then I would say, just like what I was saying as well about like, you know, um, someone's character traits, you need to look into that as well. Are they hardworking? So I wouldn't mind not being with someone who's not in my tax bracket, but I want someone who is hardworking. I want someone who understands that as a man, I'm going to need to provide and protect. So just be hardworking. Don't tell me one day I don't want to work. So I really now I'm looking for someone who's very hardworking, very hardworking. Um, so I'll just say, be careful with that. Someone who's lazy, like don't ignore that. And who lacks ambition as well, like don't ignore that. I guess it's like from your perspective, is it complete no-no if a guy is asking you for money? So, okay, so that, that was another thing. That was probably the last thing I was going to say. I think this is more for like females. I feel like guys have that pride. It's very rare for a guy to ask you for money. Like you are literally the last resort. Like guys have that pride. As a woman, maybe you might ask for 10 pound here, 20 pound there. But for a guy to do that so consistently, that's worrying. So I think I'm at a place now where even counseling helped because like I was saying, I'd feel very sorry for the person I'm going to next want to be with. So I want to be the best version of myself and just learn from my past. So the way I would deal with that is it depends on the season. So for example, if someone is you're with and they're made redundant or something, they're in a particular season. It's not their fault, but I can't go hard. Like I can't help to pay your rent and do this and do that. I can't, I'm not there anyway. Like, I'm really not there, but I think it all just depends on the season. So I wouldn't straight away run if someone asked for money, but I would, I'm very mindful of, 
the consistency like how many times are they constantly asking for money and what are the reasons why they're asking for money or if you now have a job and everything else you don't know how to manage your money that's a red flag for me now because I've built myself to the point now I know how to manage my money thanks to you guys as well and different budget trackers things like that like I'm on point with it so if I've invested and worked on myself I'm expecting the person I'm with to do the same thing. So even just a mismanagement of money and then, or like you spend a grand on, I don't know, Chanel shoes, whatever. And then you want 10 pounds from me. I'm not there for that anymore. As an individual, you want to get yourself in a place in a healthy place financially, you want to have a healthy relationship with money. So you kind of expect the other person to also do the same thing as well, you know, Um, So I would say with women as well, like this is for the dudes, it's a red flag as well. Like a woman shouldn't be asking every other week, oh, 10 pounds to do my nails or 20 pounds to do this or that, you know, like that's not in your budget, you know, you're not budgeting for that. No, I I think like uh, we've learned so much from you, Charlie. Like I think I've been quite muted because... I've just been listening and taking it in, and taking it in making and, sure that you're not and showing re- any of those red flags and, and reevaluating some of those things because I think I'll be honest there's been times in our relationship Eva said uh, sometimes I demonstrate uh, is it narcissistic uh, traits um so I just I've just been I'm taking in all the feedback you know uh, so that's why I've been quite mute on certain points but no, we really do appreciate you sharing your story. And uh, as you've said, Charlie, it's like, it's applicable for both sides of the spectrum. Just to your point around forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Mm. And that's, no, no, and not. yeah, and that's where people, a lot of people get mixed up. Yes. That they think that, okay, I have to forgive that person and then I have to take that person back. Yeah. You know, you yeah. guys can be on, actually, not think you'd be on good terms, but you can just, uh, you can forgive yourself, you can forgive the person, but it doesn't necessarily mean you can. You have to reconcile. So I really just want to echo that point mm-hmm. that forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Yeah, definitely. Like you can forgive someone, but you don't need to go back. And one thing I learned is that love, love doesn't hurt. Like love, it, it, it's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like ride or die. Like it was just too much. My life honestly felt like a movie. Like I can't believe how much I took and I can't be as tolerant to such nonsense anymore i just i can't afford to you know i'm getting older i i I spent four years on this relationship so yeah i just don't feel love shouldn't you can't tolerate that that much to that extent especially when you haven't said your vows anything like that but my experience actually it did teach me love funny enough because it was the complete opposite to everything that i now believe love to be thank you again for sharing your story because it mustn't have been um easy for you to do so but i do feel as a lot of people listening to this would have probably learned quite a bit and they'll use like you just said to reflect and see okay the relationship that i'm in at the moment are there any green flags red flags yellow flags and if your relationship sounds a lot like charlie's relationship with her ex then you might need to rethink 
So it was really amazing talking to Charlie. So I know that like we discussed a lot of like, you know, the red flags in relationships that you should look out for. So I thought, you know, it would be good for us to talk about, you know, what are green flags or what can we do to open up more communication when it comes to love and money? It's just so interesting because I know so many people that go through situations like this and they have no idea that they are going Mm, through financial abuse right now. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, my boyfriend, he's just a bit of a, uh, he's just... Erratic or he's crazy. Yeah. We had an argument, he took my car. Yeah, like, oh gosh. But really, you're being abused. Yeah, obviously, we don't want to trivialise it. And I know sometimes people say, get her a Birkin or that. But someone could actually be using a Birkin as a way to kind of financially control you. In the sense that if you don't do this or if you're not a good girlfriend, I'm not going to buy that Birkin for you. Yeah, 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 because I've seen it. It's like... um, they use gifts in a very manipulative type of way. Mm. It's not just giving you gifts around your birthday or special event. It's giving you gifts out of the blue and maybe there's there's strings Mm. attached. So I think it's also just being wary, you know. I've seen it on like certain threads about relationships, you know. It's not just about gift giving. Sometimes that can get old and people can use to control you. And it goes vice versa as well, both ways. So it's not just guys manipulating women. It can be women manipulating men as well. How do women manipulate men? <laughs> Same way. Well, by giving gifts. Not just give. I mean, yeah, potentially by giving gifts, but in the exact same way if a guy was in um unfortunate financial situation the woman was in a better situation she could easily say oh no i'm gonna kick it on the street exactly get out my house no, it's my yeah. house yeah Burnley don't do street. this and then the guy will just be there walking on eggshells being worried <laughs> scared saying oh let me not talk before i have nowhere to live and you know it, it happens both ways but yeah you were talking about green flags talking about green flags so um what would you say are green flags when it comes to relationships and money? I feel like anything that's not a red flag is a, <laughs> it's either amber or green. And if it's amber or green, then it's all right. So what's amber? Amber, hmm. I feel like, do you know what? It's really hard to define because it also depends who you're talking to because someone could very easily say, if you're a traditionalist, you could say a green flag is a guy that looks after you, makes sure that you're okay, yeah. um, always pays for everything, la, 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 la. But... I don't necessarily see that as a green flag Mm. per se. Mm. It's just someone that's a traditionalist. Mm. I think green flag is just someone that's very open. And transparent. Yeah, open and transparent. No matter what situation you're in or the other person is in, it's just someone that doesn't lie about their money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally open and transparent, doesn't lie and... Disclosure stuff. Mm, I yeah. think like a, I think, and I think a green flag would be like maybe when the topic of things like how much money you know the person's making, or even stuff like your credit score, mm. or if they have any debt. I feel like if there is total transparency and like maybe like they don't get aggressive or become defensive, I think that's a green flag. But if you ask those questions such as how much debt do you have, or what's your credit score, or how much do you um, earn, and they they start behaving funny or why do you need to know what's none of your business or they try and change the subject then that's a bit of a but that's a tough one because how do you determine between a guy that's or let me not just talk about mm. guys a person yeah. that's just private mm-hmm. or a person that's just maybe ashamed mm-hmm. in comparison to a person that's hiding something because they're doing something dodgy but then let's say for example you're like in a long-term relationship and you know you guys have been t- talking about the future and like you want to get married and have children and the person doesn't want to disclose to you how much debt they have or what their credit score is mm. that could actually affect your future. Mm. What if, like, for example, they're in, like, 100 grand debt or 
their credit score is nine or yeah. something like that. And obviously that means you probably won't be able to buy a house together or you won't be able to take out any loans or anything. That could literally affect you a lot. And the fact that they still don't want to tell you, that's a big red flag. Mm. Yeah. And there's also about, there's also the addition of the other person making the other person feel comfortable enough to disclose sure, those things. Sure, because sure. if, for example, I was in 100K debt and I didn't want to talk about it because I know that if I bring up my other half, is going to be shouting, screaming, <laughs> calling me an idiot, say, how the hell did you manage to get into that much debt, etc.? Then that would be the reason why I'm hiding it. Not because I'm, well, I mean, uh, to get into 100K you, debt is a bit of a serious one. I'm but. hoping that nobody would get into a relationship with someone that would like, you know, abuse them and call them names when they're mm. trying to, you know, be open and honest and tell the truth. So like, it's like, and using me an example, because I know in the beginning of a relationship, I, I lied about how much I was earning because more I was ashamed and stuff. So that's a red flag. By the way, Nick and Eva are married, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we're married. We're married. What green flags did I necessarily demonstrate that kind of outweighed that red flag? You're <laughs> <laughs> like putting me on the spot here. Um, do you know what? This is why I find this so difficult because if I'm being honest, I feel like in different relationships, it's so easy to say, okay, when you're out of a relationship, it's so easy to say, this is a red flag, this is a red flag, this is a red flag. When you're within the relationship, the lines are always blurred. Mm. Of course, there are times where it's clear cut. Like if someone has taken out a 10K loan under your name, then you know that's clear cut, that's fraud, that's actually illegal. But then there are other things or other times where what is a red flag, yellow flag, green flag, that can be a bit blurred. So your question as to did the green flags overcome the red flags? Yeah, like, well, there are particular things that I, because that's a red, that's a big red flag, you know, and it's like some people say like, oh, you lied to me because of that. And if you can lie about something like that, what other things may you be able to lie about? And I'm saying, what things did I actually do that maybe countered that? Like, got us to where we are now. I would say it's the fact that you eventually came clean about things. How did you come clean? Um, After we went to counselling. And then eventually you came clean. You told me how much you earned. Yeah, the fact that you came clean. The fact that after that, you're very open. I can open up your um account and see it anytime. And you can do that with me as well. And you do that to me more. Folks. That's, that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm saying the fact that we can do that to each other. Yeah. When I do speak to um other people and when I speak to people that are in relationships... And um, I know everyone's relationship is different, but I can see how much more open we are with each other mm. in comparison to what I see other people do. Like, for example, I know we're not talking about this, we're talking about finances, but even little things like having the password to each other's phones, I think that's essential. I think if you're married, I really think you should have the password to your partner's phone. You should be able to go through your you should not not go through because it's never it's never um, malicious or spying or anything like that. But I feel like one person should always be able to have access to the other person's phone if necessary. Mm-hmm. Like I text off of your phone sometimes, a lot of the time actually, because you time. you always think that it's, it's Nick and really and I'm like, nah, it's Eve. But like we are one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you text off of my phone as well. You use my phone like if. If your battery's dead, you can always use my phone for internet or anything like that. Well, it's so, 
Exactly. And I think, yeah, just when you're married, I think, or even when you're engaged, before you get to the marriage stage, I just think everything should be open. Everything should be laid out. I should be able to see your, not just your credit score, but your credit report. I should be able to say every single thing and vice versa. And I feel like because you're so open, it showed that, okay, he must be open because he has nothing to hide. Well, nothing else to hide, <laughs> but, but nothing to hide. And that in itself is a is a big green flag. So, uh, do you know what I think? Uh, also, doing money medics has made it easy to be more transparent. I agree with you. Yeah, because we talk about it a lot. Yeah, because these are conversations that we have with our audience. We have it with each other, and I guess like practice makes perfect. The more mm. you talk about things, the more you actually feel comfortable in terms of addressing them with like you know your close circles yeah so, so I'm, put, I'm maybe putting you on the spot but in general what are your from your own personal experiences what are your what red flags you know i was literally about to ask can i ask something more specific rather than what are your red flags mm-hmm. if a guy if you've seen a guy imagine you were single you've seen a guy actually let's say you're going on a date mm-hmm. and um the first date he paid for both of you guys the second date he said why don't you pay how do you feel about that would you <laughs> can you close your eyes Sorry. Oh, i'd be quite offended <laughs> Would you see that as a red flag or would you just see, oh, that's, that's just bit, how he... That's a bit aggressive and that's a bit like probably won't go on an update with them, to be honest with you. I think with like the premise of paying for dates, I think if I suggested the date, then, you know, like, you know, I would pay. Are you sure? On the second date? No, if I suggested it. I actually pay for my second date, actually. I did, yeah. But if I, if I had suggested it, then yeah, I'd pay for it. Depends. <laughs> but then um, I think that person outwardly asking me, I'd be a bit taken aback. I'll mm. pay for it, but they probably never see me again. I don't think there's any way you can put it. Like, let's say they forgot their card or something. Yeah, then that's fine. I don't mind that. No. Oh, but oh, babe, can get it. I've got my card. And that's if we're in a relationship together. If like we're like dating and we're not like in a relationship together, then preferably I would prefer for you to pay. You're, mm. you're trying to impress me. Mm. So is that a red flag me? to you? If I just met someone out of the blue and on the second date they asked me to, that's a red flag. For me. Mm. I'm like, okay. Uh, I would be really shocked. I'd be like, I'd be probably speechless. Yeah. And I think the rest of it would be really awkward. <laughs> like they'd have to do a lot to pull out the bag or they'd have to say, I was testing you. Even I was going to say, like, what was that? Testing you. I, 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 I've actually bought you a Range Rover eyes outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'd have to be really funny and really witty to be able to turn that around. Mm. <laughs> no, but I guess like, I want to get a little bit serious because I think, for me, I didn't know financial abuse was such a big thing mm. until when we did that talking point about Ooh, Dave yeah. John. Basically, in terms of talking point, we actually did a video on Instagram on the there's Dirty like a John TV season. series called um, Dirty John, and Dirty John is basically about this woman that marries um, or she's with a man, and basically there's a form of like financial abuse and manipulation which drives her crazy. So yeah, if you watch season one and season two. They are different types of financial abuse that mm-hmm. I just demonstrated. And the reason why I kind of just want to make it more serious is because I know we got called out for kind of making it a little bit jovial in terms of uh, how we kind of use it as an example. Mm. And we had a few people DM us saying that um, being in a narcissistic relationship, like um, like um, them controlling spousal support and quite a few people like, oh, it's not funny, you know, so... I guess the question I want to ask you guys is if you had to put yourself in a situation whereby like 
you're going through Betty. Let's use Betty example. I encourage people to watch the Netflix uh, season two. Walk me through what things would you do differently? Just to give a bit more context. So with the Dirty John series, Betty, she was a stay-at-home mum. She had supported her husband whilst he was studying for law and then he did a medical degree as well. So she supported him throughout all of that. At the end, he was really, really rich, really wealthy. He had his own practice and she was um, looking after the children. So of course, she didn't have an income of her own and she relied on him. I feel like what she did was very noble as in, if you see the beginnings, she was there for him. She, she would stay up. Yeah. She was pregnant. So exactly that could, so that he could study yeah she'll stay up all night to help him with his tests etc etc and she really wanted something for her so i think she wanted to be a teacher or something in the I beginning think he made her quit or drop yeah and he made her quit her job um so that she'd look after the kids while he studied exactly so i feel like although what she did was admirable and it was actually normal for the times it was set in sure. for a woman to be um, a stay-at-home mom i think nowadays it can be quite dangerous because you can i think there's something that you always say Nick is that you are at the mercy of your partner's generosity so if he's feeling even if you're in a relationship and it's like when you get into a relationship when you get married you automatically assume the best in someone and think oh they'll never do that but you have to realize you're marrying a human being and they Mm. do silly things so it's just quite I know sometimes it has to be done but sometimes it can be quite dangerous to be in a situation whereby you're not able to look after yourself, fend for yourself. Mm-hmm. And anything can happen. Your partner could lose your job, can die, can become really unwell. There could be a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So um, just to be in a situation where there's only one person that's um, bringing money into the house, it's just so dangerous for so many different reasons. And that's the only thing that I think Bessie should have done differently. I know it was hard for her, but if she stuck to her um, dreams or found a way when he got rich to then be able to focus on herself again, mm-hmm. get her education, Education. She wants to be a teacher, go back and do that. But at least during the separation, she would have something to fall back on. And she wouldn't have felt so helpless if she still had a job or a career that she could fall back on as well. Again, similar to what Charlie has said uh, previously when she shared her story, is that don't be ashamed. Yeah. You know, I think um, we live in a society whereby people place you up to a certain point and when something goes wrong, they, they tear you apart. I think you should really live life that if you're genuinely going through something like be open and honest and you'd be surprised that um depending on who you have in your circle your relationship you'd be surprised that someone has gone through almost that exact same thing and when they open up open up to you you kind of gain a bit of nugget that you couldn't find in the book you couldn't find it on Google only through their particular story mm. and the fact that they may come from a similar background, you can really, really gain something from it. And so like there are we are gonna be sharing some more resources on uh, Zopa's website, so please definitely uh, go on to that and there'll be some more like actual resources to kind of help you if you're going through a similar situation. This is the first of many stories. If you'd like to share your real money story. It could be another relationship-orientated story. It could be anything. It could be anything. Have you caught off an engagement? You know, because of financial reasons. Or did hmm. you cancel your wedding because of financial reasons? reasons. Yeah. You know, we want we want to hear these stories. We really want to create this room as a safe space to share your story anonymously. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think just in general, like just encourage conversations around money. I think when it comes to money, everyone's so quick to share like 
oh, I bought a house or I've got a new job or share like all the positive things but nobody really shares. You know, sometimes the bad things that happen yeah. when it comes to money, you know, and for people to feel comfortable and not feel bad, you know, when these things do happen to them and to know that, you know, that other people are going through it and there are things, there are resources, there are people that can help you. So guys, we spilled the tea, you've heard our perspectives, but we thought it'd only be right if we shared some resources. So if you've been affected by any of the issues or topics we discussed in this episode, the first thing you should do is call the police in the first instance if you're experiencing financial abuse. But you can also contact the National Domestic Violence Helpline for support on 0808 247. And for more information and resources, visit the website www.survivingeconomicabuse.org. And finally, the SEA have also written some guidance on how to spot signs of financial abuse on the Zopa website. So please do check that out. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to this episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs on Instagram at moneymedics.